Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The Word of God says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just remembering everything that we do and everything that we say needs to be glorifying uh, to God all throughout our week. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you, we just are so thankful that you love us, that you forgive us. Lord, as we uh, go throughout our day today and this week, um, at our work, at our job, at school, that we will honor you and glorify you that we will treasure you in our hearts. Lord, that the things that we think about, the things that we say, um, 
that they will be glorifying and honoring to you. Lord, give us the strength and the courage uh, to do your will, to say the things that will bring glory to your name. And we just give you all the praise and glory and honor um, to you in your name. Amen. Good morning. Well, Jesus is the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to be here and worship with you guys this morning. Let's all stand. We're going to lift our praise, our worship, the only one worthy of it. Jordan should have left y'all stand, and now I get to work you guys out. Okay. All right. Let's praise the Lord together this morning. Oh, sovereign God. Matchless King, the saints adore, the angels sleep, and fall before the throne of grace. To you belongs the highest praise. These sufferings, this passing time, under your wings. I will abide, and every enemy shall be. You are my hope and victory. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Oh, 
sing that song again. Y'all come back up. (laughs) I need you to check your compassion meter. When was the last time you did that? (laughs) You're like, hey, that I'm ready to leave right now, right? (laughs) I didn't know we were going to have to do that today. How do you see other people? Especially those that you might even refer to as your enemies, or those that you look at and you say, they just don't deserve heaven, they don't deserve God's forgiveness. Has that ever crossed your mind? A bus driver was on his daily routine when an elderly woman gets on the bus and sits right behind him. After a minute or two, she hands him a peanut. Thank you, ma'am, said the driver. A few seconds later, she hands him another peanut, and this goes on for a few minutes. He said, I really appreciate your kindness. Finally, they arrive at her stop, and the bus driver said, Ma'am, I really appreciate you. You've shown tremendous compassion to me today. It's been a very difficult week. And you've kind of helped me overcome some of what's gone on. The elderly woman cheerfully replied, It's okay, dear. We all have our ups and downs. I remember when I first lost my teeth, I was devastated that I no longer could eat an entire (laughs) M&M. careful when somebody hands you a peanut and they are over 60 right all right we need the Lord's help this morning as we consider the word let's pray together Lord we need your help and we're thankful that we have the spirit of the living God that resides in us every week you remind me how much I need to be dependent on you. Lord, I'm just a man that's standing up here and uh, communicating your word. And I love doing it, but every week I'm reminded about my weakness and your strength. 
And I pray, Lord, that as we consider the compassion that you have, that we would check our meters. Are we willing to take the gospel even to those that we dislike? Those that we have a hard time with? Those that we may even view as not worthy of your grace? Lord, change our mind about those things. Help us to be teachable this morning. And just for a few moments, Lord, help us to focus right here, right now, as we consider your lessons from this book called Jonah. In Christ's name, amen. You should have in your notes uh, this morning, uh, in your bulletin, hopefully it'll help you to follow along with what we'll be discussing. But I want us to consider... The question this morning about our compassion. Because as I was studying for this morning, one of the headings that I thought about was uh, Jonah, the pout pout fish. There's a little children's book that I read to my grandchildren at times, and it's called The Pout Pout Fish. And I thought about, well, that'd be a good title, The Pout Pout Prophet, because that's what you find. Jonah doing here in chapter 4, but as I studied it and as I considered it a little more, as I went on in my week, um, it's really, I think, more about the Lord's compassion. And uh, that doesn't mean that it's absent of Jonah, it just means that there seems to be a lot more consideration about God and who He is and His desire that the prophet would have the same compassion. Um, because it seems to be from chapter 4 that he's absent of that. And so I want us to consider this morning, first of all, the Lord's response, chapter 3, verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you're in Jonah. If not, if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, I have it on the screen behind me. And as we look at the Lord's response to the repentance of the people of Nineveh. The Bible tells us, remember, chapter 3, verse 5, then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And even from the king on down, these guys have repented. They believe in the Lord. Well, what's the response of the Lord? Verse 10. It says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So if you want to sum it up in one word, the Lord's response, mercy. Mercy. And you know, the word mercy, uh, meaning God not giving them what they deserved. What did they deserve? Judgment and hell. What do we deserve? Judgment and hell. What do we get? Grace. And forgiveness. How many of you are glad that at the root of mercy there's forgiveness? <laughs> My goodness gracious. So you look at the response of the Lord here and somebody goes, well, what about that word relent? Because some translations might even have the word repent. And we know that the Lord does not change. It's the doctrine of his immutability. He is immutable. He does not change. The Bible says he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, what do you do with that? gave to you a couple of notes that might help you and I to understand this a little better. 
The complete word study of the New Testament, the author, or Old Testament, the author wrote this, however, God interacts with men, and men do change, right? We see it all the time, men do change. While the city would be destroyed over a hundred years later, which would happen, God saw their response, the response of this generation to Jonah's message, and he forgave them. Aren't you glad when, when you turned from your sin and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ that he forgave you? Are you glad about that? <laughs> I am very glad that he forgave me. Maybe that's a subject that we ought to tackle sometimes, to think about the scope of God's forgiveness. That he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That he has cast them into the depths of the sea. Now put your mind around this. To remember them no more. We remember what someone did to us yesterday. Right? God is amazing. He is a God of forgiveness. This verse is one of the great hope for God's people today. If God is able to make provision for the people of Nineveh by putting off his judgment on them for more than 100 years, God is certainly able to grant mercy to a believer today. And how many illustrations do you have over and over again in Israel's history of God forgiving them? They went through this cycle, right? Obeyed God, listened to the words of God, then they went their own way and they disobeyed God and then they asked God to forgive and what did God do? forgave and over and over and over again we're like man Israel should have learned their lesson well before we're too hard on Israel we probably should think about our own lives because I don't know about yours but mine's like a cycle you know and the older I get the more I realize how wretched I am all right that you know you're a pretty wretched guy and you might even look at me and think that you're a pretty wretched guy but aren't we thankful that the Lord forgives us? We're going to find out here in a minute that the prophet had sound theology. He knew the Lord. But we see here that God is a God who relents. Ken Ham says, from the Bible we know that God in his holiness and righteousness must punish sin. He does do that. It's all throughout the scriptures. It's clear. You see over and over again where God does punish sin. And that his decreed punishment for sin is death. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Whew. Aren't we glad for the last part of that verse? Right? But the free gift of God is eternal life. Right? I, who likes that part? Right? Well, he says, yet we also know that God is full of grace and abounding in mercy, forgiving the repentant of their sins. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 tell us that. And so he says the balance between these two aspects of God's nature may be best summed up in Jeremiah chapter 18. And I want you to go there with me. I want you to see this. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. This is a great illustration of how God deals with man. Chapter 18 of Jeremiah, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. And I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. 
But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, and so he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel, at one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will what? Relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. (laughs) Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So what do we have here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10? We have the forgiveness of the Lord. That's what we have. The forgiveness of the Lord. These people believed in God, and they repented, and they turned from their sin. And the Bible says here that the Lord's response was one of mercy and of compassion, of forgiveness. Well, that's going to be the same response the prophet has, right? It's not the same response. Look in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. We see the response and the prayer of the prophet. Notice verse 1. Look at the difference between God and Jonah here. But it greatly displeased. Notice the modifier there. Not just displeased Jonah, but notice what the Bible says. It greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He was so displeased that it led to anger. You're like, hold on a second. Hey, Jonah. These people believed in God. They turned from their wickedness. Yes, let's rejoice. But the Bible tells me there's anger, not joy. That ever happened to you? Where a believer repents and they get back on the path? Are you the first one in line to... Are you the one sitting in the back going, man, they didn't get what they deserved. I wish God would have that ever happened to you? You know, I've been in, in church where I've seen church discipline take place. You know, one of the greatest pictures is for us as believers is when a believer who is in sin turns back to the Lord. Do we always rejoice at that? Is that always our first response? I mean, let's be honest, man. We have to get gut level here, right? We're like, whoa, man, this is big. But, but, Dad, don't you know, did you not see what that person did? Man, they deserve God's wrath, not his forgiveness. Man, listen, I'm thinking about this all week. I'm like, oh, my goodness. We've all been there, hadn't we? We know what it's like. And we go, wow, Lord, forgive us. How in the world can we do anything less but forgive? Just as God in Christ has forgiven us. 
That's what the New Testament says. So there's anger, not joy. Verse 1, but then, hey, when you're angry, what are you going to do? You're going to pray, right? When you're angry, you better get on your knees. That's what the prophet does. I don't know if he's on his knees, but he starts praying. Now, this prayer is a whole lot different than that of chapter 2. If you want to spend some time just researching that this afternoon, it would be great to do. The difference between the prayer in chapter 4 versus the prayer in chapter 2. Hey, in chapter 2, he's like, man, I'm thankful that the Lord, when I cried out to him, he heard me. Any of you remember that? Man, he was excited. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. But this is a little bit different prayer. But I, I do love this. And I want to preface this, preface this time, uh, this section by saying this. I love the honesty of Jonah. He's honest. And by the way, I think there's a good lesson in that for us. Don't be afraid to be honest with the Lord because he already knows what's going on in that mind of yours. He already knows. Hebrews says we're open and laid bare before him. I think he knows us pretty well. What, what do you think? He knows what's going on in our minds. So I would encourage honesty. Jonah is honest. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord. Now this is interesting. Was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? We don't have that conversation. It's not recorded for us, but apparently there was conversation that went on and John's like, hey, Lord, I already know what's going to happen. I don't want to go. This is what I said was going to happen. Why? He knew the Lord. Notice what it says. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Special note here, that little phrase there, in order to forestall, is not in every translation. If you're holding a King James Bible, you're not going to see it there. But that word forestall means to prevent or to stop something from happening. Did Jonah want mercy for his enemies? Answer, no. Right? Have you ever said no to God because you just, I'm not, I don't want to minister to that group of people. Hey, Lord, I'll do anything in the church, but just not that group. I remember when I first started in the ministry, um, I was really comfortable with youth. And I'm like, Lord, you give me the youth? Good. Now, when the parents would come in for the meeting, I'm like, Ooh, my skin would start like, you know, doing things. But I'll never forget the transition. Took place over time, but I remember one specific time I was in an interview to pastor a church, this church, Springville Road at the time, community church. And the elders asked me a question. And I don't remember who it was. I wish I could remember. But the elders in the committee asked me this question Thad, what is your philosophy of ministry? I said, Oh, that's easy. I said, My philosophy of ministry is this I want to minister to everybody. So if I'm going to be the pastor, I'm going to be the pastor of the adults, and I'm going to be the pastor of the young people, and I'm going to be the pastor of the kids, and I'm going to be the pastor of those little babies that come out. I'm doing all of it, or I can't do it. Listen. 
God calls us at times to think things that we're going to be uncomfortable with. Right? Well, God had called Jonah to go to his enemies. Uncomfortable? Yeah. Considering what the Assyrians were and what they did and the wickedness. But God had this for this prophet named Jonah. And the Bible says here, Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarsh, or Tarshish. He said, For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Wow, that's a loaded statement. And if you're just going to sum it up, he's sound in theology, yet he's self-centered. He's consumed with himself. But he is sound in his theology. You say, well, how do you know that? The little word knew there. Look in verse, uh, verse 2. It says, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. That word knew in the Hebrew describes intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's the picture of the word. Just as a husband and wife know each other intimately, that's how Jonah knew his God. He knew him intimately. How many of you have an intimate relationship with the Lord? I do. You, where you can say, I know God is. And that's what you have here. You have a confession of Jonah. He knows about his God. He says, I know he's gracious. I know he's compassionate. I know he's slow to anger. And by the way, just as a side note, it's good that the Lord is slow to anger. And I'll tell you why. Let me give you a good example of this. You know that when a prophet disobeyed, a prophet could be killed. Did you know that? Well, I want to show you a story. First Kings, that book that you probably don't turn to every week. First Kings, chapter 13. I want to show you this. Listen, if somebody could really appreciate the fact that he is slow to anger, it should have been Jonah. First Kings 13, verse 11. Now, this is a little bit lengthy of a section, but you're patient, right? You're patient, people. 1 Kings 13, verse 11. It says, Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken to the king. These also they related to their father. Their father said to them, Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And so they saddled the donkey for him and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. So what do you do with commands from the word of the Lord? You obey, right? Did Jonah do that in the very beginning? No, he didn't do that. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet like you, and an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, 
that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. And so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. And it came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him, and his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion was also standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road, and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to him. And you read that and you go, Oh, hold on a second. Here's one who disobeyed and he was judged. The prophet Jonah, did he obey the Lord in the beginning? Answer, no. But you know what? The Lord spared him because he had a mission for him. So I look at this and I go, wow. If one could say, right, that you were slow to anger, it would have been Jonah. And then he said he also is abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. So he was sound in his theology. He knew of the compassion of the Lord. He knew the Psalms that said, uh, Psalm 86, But you, O Lord, are a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. He knew the Lord. Even this pouty prophet knew the Lord. And he knew him well, according to the Scriptures. How well? Well, look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, in this moment of selfishness, all he can see is, hey, these guys have repented... They believe the message, and I don't like the outcome. And so much so, verse 3 says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. We look at that, well, that's pitiful. Here's a guy so disrupted in his life by God showing compassion and mercy and grace to the enemy that he's just ready to die. I mean, this is a weird story, right? You look at, what are you doing? But he had such a disdain for the enemy. And he's missing, missing the compassion and mercy of the Lord. He's not the only one that deserved the mercy and compassion of the Lord, was he? He's sure acting like it. Hey, God, it's all about me. In fact, in this prayer, over six times, over half a dozen times, you'll see the word I, me, and my. Why? Because it's about him. And he got so bad, he's saying, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for death is better to me than life. You know, when I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, Jonah knew Job. What does chapter 1 of Job tell us? Job understood what? That the Lord gives, and he does what? Takes what? 
I think that's an interesting ending to his prayer. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. He couldn't stand it. He's so angry at what's taken place. Angry about the salvation. Now listen to this. The salvation of so, so, so many people. I mean, we look at Pentecost and we go, 3,000 people were saved that day. There were at least 120,000 saved, and I'll talk to you about the argument for that later. But wow, 3,000 versus 120,000? But even if it's just one, what do we do? We rejoice, right? Well, you have the response of the prophet in his prayer. And then we go to what I call the Lord's classroom. You're really going to like this. How many of you like school? Raise those hands. Brothers and sisters. Um, you know, the classroom for the believer meets all the time. There's no recess. Um, my favorite subject in elementary school was recess. I liked recess. I couldn't wait for recess. It was an interruption to the teachers and them talking all the time and lecturing me. And I'm like, ah, it's recess. Lunch. Lunch was another one of my favorite subjects. But did you know with the Lord there is no recess? There's no recess. There's always something to learn. You know, it concerns me when I hear people say, well, I've got everything down. I've got it down. I know it all. You know people like that? Right, that act that way? I don't, listen. I received a text message this week from somebody here and they were giving me their thoughts on the book of Romans and it kind of got into that area. By the way, I'm enjoying your text messages and your emails. I really appreciate it. And um, so I'm going through there reading it and one of my comments back to this person was, you know, there's always something to learn. Guys, we're in the classroom and there's always something to learn. And listen, all of us are Jonah. We all have things to learn. We all have rough edges, right? You say, well, Thad, do I really? Yeah, you do. And you know what? I do too. We're on that same boat. We have rough edges. And the Lord, listen, the potter is what? He's making us the way he wants us to be. He's shaping us. But a lot of that shaping happens in the classroom, and it's hard. Because in the classroom, I'm confronted with my weaknesses, I'm confronted with those things that are blind, you know, as a blind eye, eye to me. Things that maybe no one says to me, but they're like, hey, Thad, you really have a problem with this, 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 and this. I can see it in your life. Well, hey, you know, it's not good when somebody points that out to you, right? You're not going, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. But, you know, the reality is when the Lord points things out to us, it's hard. And I think in this uh, remainder of the text, the Lord has this class, and he begins the class with a question. In verse 4. By the way, I did a little reading this week. You know that in colleges, uh, one of the main, uh, the way, main ways that professors uh, teach their students is through questioning. They want them to think. Right? Well, the Lord wants us to think. And so the Lord said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? Good question. Great question. 
Why was Jonah angry? Is, he really, is it really a valid thing that he would be angry? Well, we don't have any response at this point to that. Verse 5 says, Then Jonah went out from the city and set east of it. That's a weird little verse, isn't it? Weird, weird start to verse 5. What's he going to go sit east of the city for? Well, my thinking is, and I'm not sure if this is what was going on, but maybe Jonah went east of the city. Maybe the 40 days weren't up, right? And maybe he's going to see, hey, maybe the Lord will end up destroying these people. I'm just going to go out and sit east of that city and just fold my arms like this and just wait. And maybe God will take care of those people who have been enemies to us. I don't know. Maybe that's, a, that's what's going on. But he's sitting east of it, and he's not like in this San Diego, California, right? 72 during the day and 50-something at night. I mean, he's in a desert region, and it's hot. In fact, it's so hot, this is what it says to us in verse 5. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the dude is determined. I'm going to see what's going to go on with these people. So he makes him a shade. Mm, I, love, I love the Lord's classroom. Of course, it's nice when you're the creator, right? I mean, you can do what you want. Um, teachers have props in classrooms, but they can't create. <laughs> Look at this. It says, so the Lord God appointed a plant. Three times we're going to see that word appointed. He appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. Man, that's awesome. In fact, the Bible says down further that this plant grew up overnight came up just came up it's God's plant and he's the creator and he can do what he wants to and what's the prophet's response man I wish that plant wouldn't be here no that's not it at all it says and Jonah was extremely happy about the plant yes because apparently his shade wasn't as good as God's right But, verse 7 says, God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day. And it attacked the plant and it withered. Uh-oh. So he's back to just his shade. See, God was so gracious and compassionate. He provides shade. But then he takes it away. Now look at verse 8. And not only does he take the plant away, but look at verse 8. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. Now, the desert is hot, but have any of you ever been to a desert region? Any of you ever been to a desert region? Is it hot? It's hot. But when the wind's blowing, right, the heat around, it feels like what? A sauna. It's hot. And so Jonah is out in this desert. He had a plant that God provided, but then a worm comes, attacks the plant, it withers, but then God appoints a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Man, this dude is really down. Not only are his enemies being spared of judgment, but this plant... That, that was provided for him as shade is gone. 
And so, then he responds like, hey, I want to die. Well, then verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, the student, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plan? Good question? Great question. Because while Jonah had shade, he didn't have the plant. And it was obvious that the plant was doing something for him that the shade that he worked on didn't do. And so verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. This guy's out of his mind, right? I mean, when you think about it, he's crazy. He's not the one that provided that plant. And that's what the Lord's going to point out. Look at this. Here it is. And then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work. <laughs> hey, Jonah. Uh, that plant, you didn't work for that plant. You didn't cause that plant to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. That had to be wild, by the way. Right? Jonah's out, and, and he's got this shade that he's made up, and all of a sudden, here's this plant, and it's providing shade, and he's like, do you think Jonah knew where that shade came from? Good question. I kind of think he did. It says, the Lord said, you had compassion, <clears throat> excuse me, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came overnight and perished overnight. And then he said, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? Okay, well, what do you do with that last little verse there? Before we talk about some lessons in the class that the Lord taught Jonah. Um, I gave you a note there for you to consider. Um, there's a couple of different viewpoints on the 120,000 persons. Some suggest that the phrase discern between their right and their left hand refers to the spiritual ignorance of the pagan inhabitants of Nineveh. Thus, there's 120,000 or so. Others say that this re phrase refers to young children who were not old enough to make a decision. And I go, well, when I consider the circumference of Nineveh, which was about 60 miles, and I consider the acreage, which we've talked about before, I don't know if it was 120,000 or 500,000. The point is this, the Lord had compassion, right? He did. Because the Bible says in verse 11, here's the question, should I not have compassion on Nineveh? And question, did he have compassion on Nineveh? Answer, yes. Has he had compassion in your life? Answer, yes. Over and over again? Answer, yes. Over and over again in the nation of Israel? Answer, yes. Over and over again in the church? Answer, yes. Will there be compassion in the tribulation period? Answer, yes. Because while God is a God of justice, listen to me, He's a God of mercy and He's a God of grace. He's a God of compassion. And I have to ask you this question. I was considering it all week long. Should I ask them or not? I'm going to ask you. Is it easier for you to be compassionate or angry? 
No volunteers. I don't see anybody saying, hey, Thad, let me answer that question. I know what my flesh is bent toward. How about you? My flesh is bent toward anger. You see, I want to tell you something. We have such a great advantage in the New Testament church. A great advantage. You know what the advantage that we have? We have the Holy Spirit of the living God residing in us if we know Him. How big is that? Huge. All the way around your back. That big. Because the Spirit of the living God is the one that needs to control my life. So when I'm dealing with this anger thing going on and I'm like, man, I don't want to see this compassion. I don't want to see God's mercy in this person's life. And that's where the flesh goes. We have to be honest about that. I can say, Lord, I don't want to have that attitude. I want to pull out of my driveway today with your compassion. I want to pull out of my driveway, right, being controlled by the Spirit of God, evidencing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, all those things that are easy. No, they're not easy. Do we see compassion in the life of Jonah? Did he learn his lesson? Some might say, well, man, this is a weird ending. I say it ends just right. You know, sometimes you need to end your class with a question. And that's what the Lord does. He ends it with a question. Do we have the rest of the story? We don't know how Jonah responds to that. But there's the right question by our Lord. And when I was thinking about compassion, and I was thinking about the New Testament, I thought a perfect place to end would be our Lord Jesus on earth. And you don't have to turn there. You know the passage. Many of you do. But listen to the words of the author Matthew. When Jesus sees the people, right? The Bible says he felt compassion for them. Because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Guys, we live in a culture where there are many, 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 many people without Christ. We have the advantage. The shepherd for us is Jesus Christ. He's the chief shepherd. And he leads us and he guides us and right, he protects us and all those things that a shepherd does. But Jesus, seeing the multitudes of people, he felt compassion for them. You ever t attended a funeral of an unbeliever? And walked in the funeral home? I've had this happen I don't know how many times. Well, I've walked at a funeral home, and it's the funeral, they're unbelievers, but I'm going there, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to, you know, pray with these people. If they'll let me, I'm going to shake their hand, try to comfort them with anything that I can say that the Lord would give to me. But, but in the midst of all that going on, there's this hysteria. 
And they're weeping without hope. You ever been in that? I was in it not long ago. And I walked out of that funeral home. And I got in my truck. And I called one of my sons. And I told him about it. I said, son, you know what I need to know for sure? I need to know all my boys belong to the Lord. Because there's no picture like walking into a funeral home and watching hopelessness. You see, Jonah, when I look at the book, I go, well, here's a guy who's called to his enemies, and he'd just soon them be destroyed. And you have to know that Jonah was thinking, why didn't the Lord just call me to my own people? I could have stayed right here in Israel and preached to these folks. Why would you want to send me over here? How many times have you looked at a missionary and said, why? Why, Lord, would you have them go all the way across the world? I don't know. But I love when I see obedience. How about you? What has God called you to do? Have you crossed your arms and said, Lord, I can't do that? Or are you willing to say, He's called me, I'm going to go. I'm going to do whatever it is He wants me to do. Well, I think it starts with compassion. The Lord for certain had it. D.L. Moody tells the story of his conversion this way. He says, when I was in Boston, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day, I recollect my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop I was at work in and put his hand upon my shoulder and talked to me about Christ. And he talked to me about my soul. He said, to that point, I felt like I didn't even have a soul. I said to myself, this is a very strange thing this man is doing. Here's a man who never saw me until recently, and he's weeping over my sins. And I never shed a tear about them, he said. Then he writes, but I understand it now. And I know what it is to have a passion for men's souls and weep over their sins. He says, I don't remember what he said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder. And the concern and compassion and tears of a godly teacher. Think about this, teacher. The concern and the compassion and the tears of this godly teacher resulted in the conversion of a man who saw a million souls saved through his evangelistic efforts. How about that one guy? What about that one guy? What was that one guy doing? When he shows up at his shop, what's he doing? He's obeying the Lord. Are we willing to be uncomfortable for the Lord? Are we willing to say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, I end with this. Life lessons. I gave you three, there are seven blanks. So what does that mean, class? You have homework. This is how I want to sum it up. 
There is nowhere to hide from the Lord. You can't run from Him. Nowhere you can go from His presence. He knows you full well. The second lesson I put on here is the Lord's message of salvation is for all mankind. It's for everyone. You know, the message of salvation is for all the Muslims. Right? The message of salvation is for all the Hindus. Correct? Will it be you the Lord sins? You're like, hey Lord, I'm good with Argo, Alabama. I don't know about over there. You think about the underground church and how God is using those faithful men and women. The message of salvation is for all mankind. And then the third one, I'll end with this. Jonah's life story is validated by the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, how many, how many people have picked on this one book alone to disprove the Scripture? How could you believe in something like this Oh, my friends, listen. The Lord knew all that was coming, didn't he? And just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be. <laughs> Don't you know if you're in that audience, you're like, whoa, Jonah? Is Jonah a children's story? Yeah. But it's also an adult story. It's for all of us. Lord, help us to be as compassionate about people as you are. Help us to be ambassadors for the gospel of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. And there's so many things in here we could pick apart, and so many different things that could be pointed out about Jonah about his disobedience, but Lord, about your patience. <laughs> and we think about our disobedience and your patience. And we, Lord, we think about chapter 2 where Jonah's crying out. And he testifies, you heard him. So when we cry out to you, Lord, help us to know you hear us. You hear us. You know what's going on. You've got the big map, we don't. And so sometimes, Lord, it's just a matter of, and we use the phrase a lot, we need to trust you. But that is true, we need to trust you. Um, it brings us to the wisdom literature of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. That's where we tend to lean. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your paths. Lord, help us to know you, you hear us, you're interested in everything that's going on in our lives. Help us to know, Lord, that, that your gospel is for all mankind. Help us to believe that. That's what you told your disciples. You sent them out and you said, hey, you're going to be my missionaries. You're going to be my martyrs in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts. And I think about the end of their lives, Lord, and... They were all martyred but John. And he was put in a hot cauldron of oil. And it's nice to be able to talk about them. I pray we'd be like them. 
I pray we'd be sold out for the gospel of Christ. Lord, as you come to the end of the letter, um, this, this turmoil going on in the life of this man. And I believe, Lord, you just, you were so patient with him. And it's interesting, while Jonah was angry, you weren't. <laughs> and so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Help us to have the compassion with people that you have. And so when we see people, we don't just instantly go, oh, here are their flaws. Here are the things that are wrong with them. But that we look at them and ask one question, do they need Christ? And then we're willing to step out there by faith and trusting in you to lead us by your Spirit. Give them the message of the gospel, the great hope that we have in knowing you. Lord, can I just thank you this morning that my brother Stan Lofton is with you. Just watching him the last two or three weeks, Lord, and how merciful you really were to him. It wasn't a long time. But right now, he's with you. Lord, we just are so thankful for his life and his testimony. We pray for Amy, Lord. We pray for her heart. Lord, we know that you're the one that comforts like none of us can. But certainly, Lord, help us to be compassionate. Help us to love on Amy. Help us to help her to know that we love her. Whether it's a card or a phone call or whatever it is, Lord. As your spirit would lead us, help us to display this compassion and love for our sister. And I pray, Lord, that the funeral tomorrow would honor you as we consider, as, I've, as you've led me to, to this point, Lord. He was a soldier, but he was a soldier of Jesus Christ most of all. I just want to thank you for his life and his testimony. And I pray, Lord, that you would use his life beyond his death (laughs) to be able to be a witness tomorrow to those that would come as they would hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in our walk with you today and this week. And, Lord, um, until you come, that you would find us ready when you come for your church. And all these things... I pray in the wonderful name of Christ, who is Lord. Amen. Uh, We wanted to close out the service uh, today by singing a song for you guys. Um, It was written by Joel Houston um, when he was visiting Scotland. I think he was inspired by the highlands, mountains. And uh, the message of the song is that, uh, you know, in all our searching in life, um, God is the destination. Christ is heaven for us. Um, He is the summit of the mountain. And because of that, we can praise him uh, in whatever situation we find ourselves in. But the the imagery and the wording of the song is really, really beautiful. And so I kind of want to give you guys a double dose of it. I'm going to, I want to read through the lyrics and let, just like a poem, and let you guys kind of soak it in a little bit and then we'll sing the song for you. But the title is Highlands. It says, oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? Oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you graced the other side. Oh, how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of 
grace descending from the source of its supply. Because in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more or less inclined. I would search and stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find. So I will praise you on the mountain. I'll praise you when the mountain's in my way. You are the summit where my feet are. So I'll praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You are the heaven where my heart is. And the highlands and the heartache all the same. I love this verse 3. Oh, how far beneath your glory does your kindness extend the path from where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners past. Oh, how fast would you come running if just to shadow me through the night, trace my steps through all my failure, and walk me out the other side. For who could dare ascend that mountain, that valleyed hill called Calvary, but for the one I call Good Shepherd, who like a lamb was slain for me. Whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. From the gravest of all valleys come the pastures we call grace, a mighty river flowing upwards from a deep but empty grave. You guys listen to the words.
announcements before we uh, are dismissed today. Uh, Tuesday morning uh, men's Bible study will resume uh, this week and uh, George is going through the book of Hebrews so he expects you to have an outline by Tuesday. Yeah. Um, also um, we're in need of more laborers. Amen? Amen. You are those people. Um, in Awana. Awana is a wonderful ministry. Awana stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. And uh, we shouldn't be ashamed, should we? So I encourage you to come out and you say, well, Pastor Thad, I have a hard time, you know, I don't know if I can really work with kids. You can, my brothers and sisters, as Dr. Hughley would say. You can. With the help of the Lord, you can. And um, they need, listen, in the world we're living in today, they need to hear the gospel every single week. Um, and so you come, and if you are interested in being a part of that, see Andrea Stovall, um, and she would love to go talk with you about that. Also, the Couples Fellowship is on the 24th. Of this month, it'll be a week from this next Friday. I trust you'll be able to come to that. There's envelopes out in the uh, foyer. You can sign up for that. And uh, you do not have to dress up for that, right? So some are asking, hey, do I have to dress up? You don't have to dress up um, for that. But we'd love for you to be here. And uh, we are going to provide a nursery. So if some of you maybe have been hesitant about signing up because you have children, that need to be looked after, we will have a nursery available uh, for you. If you could just kind of indicate that on your envelope as you're filling that out. And then I um, also want to make mention of the little booklets. Last week, several of you must have taken those little booklets. Uh, we put more back on the table outside in the foyer. Please uh, make sure that if you pick those up, you, you just pray over those and pray uh, whoever the Lord would have you hand one to. I had another person share with me this morning about an opportunity they had to, uh, to uh, uh, even mail somebody that they met uh, one of these. So the Lord is using that. I also wanted to make mention to uh, the visitor's luncheon immediately after our uh, closing prayer. Uh, any of you who um, have been visiting Grace, who, who want to know more about the church, um, even if you haven't signed up, um, you can eat Balcom's lunch, all right? He'll be there today, but he's willing to give that up for you, right? So um, we'd love to have you and love to have you guys 
come and we can introduce you to Grace a little bit more. And then um, the last thing I'll mention is about Stan Lofton. Um, Stan went to be with the Lord on Friday, and um, he's with his Lord and Savior, and that's wonderful to be able to say. You know, in the three-week period that he was in the hospital, uh, he turned 96 while he was there. That's a long life, a lot of influence. So you pray for um, the family uh, during their time of grief and pray. Uh, as every family, you know, uh, pray for the salvation of those that might come tomorrow as they uh, hear about the testimony of how the Lord used this soldier. That's what I'm going to talk about because he sure used him as a literal soldier, but as a soldier for Christ. So uh, you pray about that as we have that service tomorrow. Let me give you the, the hours. Today there's visitation at Jefferson Memorial in Trustful from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And then tomorrow morning, the funeral's at 10 o'clock at Jefferson Memorial. So you go by and make sure you love on Amy and let her know how much she's loved and how much we appreciated Stan. All right? Let's uh, stand up and let's have a word of prayer as we close. Lord, we live in the valley. And um, I like what... David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Lord, um, help us to live knowing that you care about everything going on in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be compassionate people who have a desire to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because all of us who are in this room who are saved could stand behind this podium and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And so, Lord, we just uh, want to honor you. We want to honor you in all we do. I pray this morning that this was honorable to you and that you received all the glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name that I pray all of these things. Amen. You are dismissed. Mm -hmm.